song. And uh, thank you, Brother Tim. Appreciate you helping out with leading singing. And uh, Brenton is not here tonight, as you might have noticed. And I uh, appreciate Brother Tim filling in. I've known Brother Tim for a long time. Um, we go back, boy, since my childhood, really, uh, in upstate New York. It's kind of funny. It's a small world in reality. And it's funny because I've known Brother Tim for a long time. And then, uh, and then um, we have another family as well, uh, David and April Young. And I've known April from, for a long time, since my childhood, really. Um, and, and, but it was from a different area. Uh, it was down in Dayton, Ohio, and I know him from Rome, New York. And then here we are, all three in one area. And so they didn't know each other, but I know both of them uh, since my teenage years and younger, really. And so thank God for that. And uh, it's kind of funny the way the Lord th works things out, but... And that song, what a great song, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. I was sitting there thinking about the words, and I thought, man, Jesus really ought to thrill our soul. He really should. Uh, and really, he, he's all we need, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, and what, a, what a great song, as I was just thinking about those words, and encourage you to think about the words as you sing the songs, great truths that are in those songs. Psalm chapter number 16, and as you're turning there, uh, I don't, mention enough per se, uh, but uh, you can get most of our, our messages online, uh, I, pretty much all of them if I'm not mistaken, uh, at audio.anchorbaptistchurch.net or you can go straight to anchorbaptistchurch.net and click on preaching and you can find the audio messages that are there. So if you miss one, uh, you can go back and find it. And if you're privy to what a podcast is, uh, then you can actually sign up for the podcast there as well and be notified every time a new one gets uploaded. And, uh, and so we try to do that just to help people out, be a blessing. And uh, they're there on the web page. Uh, but as you're turning to Psalm 16, uh, I want to preach this evening on complete consecration. And really, as we look at this psalm, uh, there, there many people have applied this uh, to Jesus Christ. And I really want to look at it in that light uh, as this psalm would apply uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter number 16 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips." The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh, flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of life. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the uh, privilege and the opportunity that we have to be in your house and, God, to gather around your word. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me as we look at the Psalms uh, and we look at specifically Psalm 16 tonight. God, I pray that we would... Um, certainly see Jesus in this psalm and, and then God we would apply it to our lives as well and have the kind of consecration and devotion that you had in your life when you walked here on this earth. And Father we'll certainly thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus precious name I pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm, in the title, you might notice uh, in your Bible, if it has it, the michtam or mictum uh, of David. And, uh, and you might say, well, what does that mictum mean? And, and really, uh, it's kind of unknown. In the footnote of the uh, King James translators, put golden, okay? Uh, a lot of people refer to it as the golden psalm. Uh, it's thought that perhaps the, the mictum stands for uh, maybe a musical notation that they would have known. And, and obviously, uh, they didn't write down, we don't have musical notes in our Bible, okay? So uh, maybe it stood for something, but we're not 100% sure what it stands for. Uh, but it does occur elsewhere. It occurs in Psalm 56, 57, 58, and 59, and 60. Uh, and I thought that was kind of curious that they were all lumped together. Uh, and then Psalm 16 is kind of all by itself. So I don't know uh, what that's about, but I find it very interesting. And this psalm is very, it is prophetic. If you read verse number 10, uh, you'll probably recognize that. The Bible says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And, uh, and Peter quoted that when he was preaching in the book of Acts. Uh, that is the exact verse that he used uh, in the middle of his message in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Uh, so I want us to look at this passage, and, and, uh, and certainly I want us to see uh, Christ throughout this passage. And uh, it's certainly evident in some places, and, and more evident in some. Obviously, there in verse number 10, it's very evident. But I want us to notice a few of these. I want you to notice in verse number 1, uh, we have that prayer of faith. Look at what it says. He says, Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. Now, let me state this up front. I was thinking about this. And, uh, and Jesus uh, was 100% human and 100% God at the same time. Uh, we struggle with understanding that. And maybe you don't. Maybe you're smarter than me. But I struggle to understand that and comprehend that, to be honest with you. Uh, because really that's a difficult concept to wrap my, uh, my, my, my head around and my brain around. Uh, but I want us to look at this from the aspect of, of, of Jesus Christ in his flesh was dependent upon God. You find that he went out into a mountain to pray. Uh, you find that he called on God for, uh, for most of the things that he did and he prayed over his miracles and he was certainly dependent on God. And as we look at this, he says this, uh, the psalmist says this, Preserve me, O God. And his request is made to God. You know, throughout the ministry, we could go through, uh, through many verses, but throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, He called on my Father, which is in heaven. 
Uh, matter of fact, that's how he taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this, uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so we are to call on the Lord. Hey, listen, we've never been instructed to pray to Mary. We've never been instructed to pray to, obviously, it's, it's, matter of fact, it's condemned to pray to other gods in the Bible. Uh, God expects us to call on Him. Uh, and that's, that should be obvious, but listen, it's not obvious in the world. There's a lot of people who call on a lot of things, but they don't call on God. Hey, listen, God is the only one that we are to be praying to. And, uh, and praise the Lord. Hey, listen, in, in, as a Christian, as somebody who is born again, praise the Lord, you can, you can fill out, I don't have any on me, uh, you can fill out those prayer cards and turn them in. I'll be happy to pray for you. Don't get me wrong. But listen, you don't have to do that. You can go directly to the King of Kings and to the very throne room of God and speak to God for yourself. And I encourage you to do that. I don't, I mean, turn in the prayer cards, by all means, I'm happy to pray for them. I'm not saying don't do that. But listen, if you're like, man, I'm all worried and I'm going to turn this prayer card in and, and you're not bothering to pray, I'll pray. Don't get me wrong. But listen, it would do your heart good to go to the throne room of God and ask for God's help in your life. And so we need to call upon God. And we find that He does that. Uh, his prayer is directed towards God, and God is all-powerful. Notice what he prays. He says, preserve me. Now, isn't that a curious thing? Uh, when you think especially uh, of Jesus Christ, you think, well, he's God. Does he need preservation? And, uh, and what does that word preserve me? It means to keep. Actually, I wrote down the definition here. It means to keep or save from injury or destruction. You understand that Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, his flesh was not like ours. That's why he was virgin born. Um, he, he didn't have, we were born, every one of us is born with a sin nature. But Jesus Christ was not born with a sin nature. I don't know the right term. We'll just call it innocent flesh, if maybe that's not the proper term. But I know this, it was not a corrupted flesh already. We're born with a corrupted flesh. Jesus Christ was not. But he still was surrounded by temptation. You think uh, sometimes we are prone to think, well, we live in such a wicked day. And we do live in a wicked day. Don't get me wrong. But listen, most of the wickedness that's around today was around back then. They had all the same problems that we have. Uh, they, we just have faster access to it because of all the technology that exists around us. But Jesus lived in a wicked day. Jesus had temptation all around him. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Save your spot here in Psalm. Matthew chapter 4. We'll just read the first couple of verses of that chapter. I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I want us to see this. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 4. Because sometimes we kind of get the idea uh, that, that, you know, Jesus never faced temptation. Oh, no, he faced temptation without a doubt. Um, Matthew chapter number 4. And verse number one, there's a couple of thoughts that stand out in this passage. And I'm not going to preach out of this passage, but I very well could. The Bible says there in Matthew 4, 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
You look at what that says. Who, who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Spirit. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Wait a minute. Did, did the Spirit of God know that Jesus was going to be tempted in the wilderness? Well, yeah, He knew. And the fact of the matter is that the Spirit of God led Jesus Christ into the wilderness so that He could be tempted. Because He had to be tempted. And matter of fact, the New Testament says, uh, I believe it's in Hebrews or Peter, one of the two, that he was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. And so he did face temptation. Look in the next verse. It says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Boy, what an important verse right there. Because listen, we don't talk enough about fasting. And going, going without. And what is fasting? Well, fasting is simply denying yourself of food and saying, you know what? I am, whatever the, whatever the situation is, I, it's so serious to me that I'm going to deny myself of food so that I can spend more time in prayer. Jesus Christ did that for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says that he fasted. And, and it's very clear, day and night, that he went out into that wilderness and he was praying. What was he praying? Well, I don't know exactly what he was praying, but I know this. He was about to start his public ministry. And before he started his public ministry, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in solitary prayer with God. What do you think he was praying? Maybe he was praying, preserve me, O God. I don't know what he was praying. But I know this, he was about to face probably one of the greatest uh, trials of his life and three years later when he would be crucified and again in the garden he was praying and, uh, and perhaps he was praying then uh, to preserve me. And listen, if Jesus Christ needed the power of God on his life and he didn't have a corrupt flesh, how much more do we need that? We have a corrupt flesh. We need the power of God. We need the strength of God. We need to ask God to preserve us. We find that he's crying out to God. His request was made to God. His request was that of preservation. And then look at what he says there in, in, back in Psalm 16 and verse number 1. It says this, In thee do I put my trust. You know what? He rested in God. There's something to be said for resting in God. And, and listen, trust is not fretting and worrying or being concerned. Trust is believing that God is able and will pres preserve you. He'll take care of you. And listen, so many times we are, we're prone to worry. Um, hey, I'm just as guilty as you are. We're prone to be concerned and to worry and think, what about this and what about that? Hey, listen, we need to go to God. And then like it says in the last part of that verse, in thee do I put my trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we know those verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In other words, you don't have to understand it all. I like to wrap my head around things. I do. Um, and man, I, uh, I, I don't stop me if I told you this story, but I remember when I was little and I, I, man, I learned to take things apart. You know why? Because I wanted to see how it worked. There was a natural curiosity that said, Hey, how does this work? And I remember my brother got this truck or car or whatever it was, man, you know what I did? It was my older brother too. That was my mistake. 
Don't mess with your, mess with your younger brother. Don't mess with your older brother. And uh, man, he got this thing. And you know what I did? I took it all apart. I wanted to see how it worked. You know what the problem was? I couldn't put it back together. That was bad. I like to understand stuff. Listen, God's word says we don't always have to understand it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. You will not always be able to understand God and how he makes things work. But listen, you can rest in him. And here the psalmist said, in thee do I put my trust. And when we trust in God, hey, listen, there's a rest that goes along with that. There's a peace that goes along with that saying, you know what? I'm going to let God take care of it. We see his prayer of faith. Look at his promise of faith in God alone in verse number two down through five. He says, oh, my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. I love that phrase right there. It is an acknowledgement of God. And not just any God, but he says, Thou art my Lord. It's a personal claim to him. And listen, uh, the book of John, I love the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus, time and time again, says, My Father, my Father, my Father. Uh, and that is over and over. And, and I know that because many translations, matter of fact, take out my and they change it. And they say, The Father. Uh, listen, uh, Jesus was staking claim to his. It's a personal pronoun where he was staking claim and saying, hey, that's my father. He belongs to me. And listen, if he's your God, then you can stake a claim to him. Uh, if you've been saved uh, and you're, you're born again, then listen, he ought to be your God. And you can say, my God that's in heaven. It's a personal Decision. He says, O oh my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. Boy, we ought to claim him. I love the fact that, listen, not only does he make it personal, but notice what he says in verse number two O oh my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord. Hey, it wasn't just with his mind, it was with his whole being that he had put his faith and his trust in God. And it was not simply in word, but it was from his soul. Look at verse number two, the last part of that. I found this phrase a little bit weird. Not weird, but difficult to understand until I read it a few times because I kept pausing at the end of verse number two. You have to read verses two and three together. So let's read it together. I'll read it and you can follow along. Uh, it says, O my Lord, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. And you say, well, that's kind of odd. We see his promise that he's saying, hey, my faith is in God alone and it's established in God. And then he makes this, this statement that my goodness extendeth not to thee. And he's talking to the Lord. And, and, and at first I thought, boy, that's odd. Why is he saying my goodness extendeth not to God? On a very practical level, we can't really extend goodness to God. 
God's not visible. God's not touchable. God's not here amongst us. If I can say that in a palpable way, his spirit is certainly here amongst us, no doubt. But, but, uh, but in a practical sense, God's not here that we can touch or that we can benefit and extend goodness to him. But look at what he says in the next phrase. But to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. And he administers his goodness, since he cannot administer goodness directly to God, he administers it to those who are saved and those who are born again and those who are, are Christians. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to do good to the other people as a way of show for my love for God. Listen, uh, we ought to extend goodness to other people. Uh, I know some Christians, and they think, man, I'm, I'm saved, and I'm supposed to be the salt, and they think the grit and the sandpaper of the world, too. Uh, listen, we are to be the salt in the sense that, yeah, we ought, to, uh, we ought to be a testimony of the Lord. But listen, we ought to be kind. Uh, we, ought to be not, we ought to be kind to other people. We don't have to be, I've said it many times, we don't have to be rude and gruff to other people. Uh, people will, will look at our life. And they'll know there, there's something different about that guy. He doesn't do all those things. Now we ought to testify and witness to them as well. But we don't have to be rude about it. We can, uh, we can certainly stand for truth uh, without being um, crude. Some people just enjoy uh, being abrasive to other people. Uh, and listen, that's, that's not what we ought to do. Uh, now, I'll say this as well. Jesus was certainly abrasive to the religious leaders. Hey, there's some people that need corrected publicly. Uh, and then, listen, the majority of people, they just need shown the love of Christ. They need to understand that, hey, uh, that, that God has changed our life and saved us from that. that otherwise, we'd be the same as that. And, uh, and the world needs to understand that. And so he administered goodness to others. You think about the life of Jesus Christ. What did he do? By and large, he healed other people. He ministered to other people. He helped other people. He was all about ministering and helping. Did he reprove those who needed a reproof? Yes, he did. He, he certainly did. I'm not, saying that, uh, I'm not saying on the other hand that we ought to be uh, limp-wristed, wimpy, and, and not reprove anything and just love and accept all sin. No, no, no. That, that's falling off on the other side. We ought not be so abrasive that nobody can get around us either. Uh, there's balance in that ministry, and Jesus Christ ha held that balance as far as both ends of that, and he extended goodness uh, to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all, he says, my delight. And so we see that in verses 2 and 3. Look at in verse number 4. He, he avoids evil. He says, Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings um, of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. He says three things. He recognizes that, hey, those who, uh, who uh, worship other gods, hey, they're going to be sorrowful. They're, they're, the end of that road is not good. And, and it's going to be problematic for them. And he lets them know that. And then he says, hey, listen, I'm not going to go along with them. And I'm not going to, uh, to, to wrap my arm around them and say, well, you know, we're just going to all go the same direction. No, he's saying, I'm, I'm not going with them. 
I'm not going to offer the, the blood of their sacrifices. I'm not going to partake in their religion. And then he goes a step further in verse 4 at the end. He says, nor take up their names into my lips. In other words, hey, I'm not invoking other gods. And I'm not praying with, with uh, these other things. Hey, my voice and my, uh, my dedication is to God. And he's made that clear. He's saying, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, to, to stand with those people uh, because they are wrong. And so he avoids that evil. But notice the uh, verse number five, as he goes down, he says, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. Hey, listen, he says, I'm working for God. And listen, in working for God, God is the one that's going to take care of me. He says there are two things. He says, uh, he says that um, my inheritance, verse number five, uh, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. I've many times jokingly said when uh, people do something and, and, uh, and, and then they're, they're joking around, they'll say, well, you know, what, what do I get paid? And I tell them all the time, I say, man, your pay is out of this world. <laughs> it's... I joke on it, but, but it's true. You know, the Lord keeps track. The Lord knows what we're doing, and we don't have to necessarily do things so that we can we get something, and most people aren't, aren't doing that. Uh, you know, but, but I'm saying this, that, hey, the Lord keeps track, and listen, God knows. He knows how to take care of His children, and He knows how to provide for us, and He knows how to sustain us, and, and that's what He's saying here in this verse. He says in verse 5, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup and he says this thou maintainest my lot God sustains us you may work for such and such a company and you say well it's not a Christian company it's not even a good company uh, listen count it that God has provided you a job provides you a paycheck so that you can serve the Lord um, and, and really, if we look at our life as the fact that, well, I've, God has provided me a job and, and I can work and I, I can make money. Uh, and, and listen, my boss, maybe um, not talk about me. I'm employed by the church and by God. I always think my employer is God. All right. Uh, but but, you know, you might think, well, my employer is this company or that company or whatever. Uh, hey, listen, think of it as this way that God supplied you a job so that you can earn an income. And, and, uh, and, and listen, pray. We've had people, you know, uh, want to change jobs or something, and, and, and they say, Pastor, pray for me about this. I'll be glad to do that. And I would recommend that you pray about a job uh, and pray about a change in jobs. Sometimes that can be a, a tough thing, and sometimes you have to, but sometimes we need to just recognize, hey, it's God that's providing, and, and not me uh, or not my company. And uh, he says it here clearly, thou maintainest my lot. Look at verse number six. Now I want you to notice the path to contentment. Look at these verses. These are amazing. It really changes from here down out. He says, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. In other words, hey, the places that I'm going and the things that I'm doing is very pleasant. Hey, listen, when you start to recognize I'm living for God and I'm serving God and the things that I do and the places that I go and the job that I work is all for God's honor and for God's glory, man, it will take you to pleasant places. 
It'll make things far more tolerable in your life. Why? Because your goal is no longer just this. Your goal is this. And you're saying, God, I want to serve you. And you're living as a Christian. There's joy and contentment and peace that, listen, the world doesn't know. Sometimes we need reminded of that. Sometimes we need to realize, uh, listen, the world doesn't know what joy and peace and contentment is, to be honest with you. And, and, and many of you work in the world, you know, I mean, you rub shoulders with them. And man, they're grumbling on Monday and grumbling on Tuesday and grumbling on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And they can't get, 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 wait to get home so they can go drinking. Well, they just want to bury all their sorrows and bury their life in, in, in drugs and alcohol and all this other stuff that will make them forget. Because, listen, they don't have joy and they don't have peace and they don't have contentment. Why? Because God provides that. And living for God provides that. And he says here in verse number 6, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Look at what he says. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. It leads to pleasantness. Goodly heritage. A heritage is that which is inherited or passes from heir to heir. Hey, listen, we looked forward to heaven. We live our life not here on this earth, not trying to get all we can in this world, but trying to get all we can in heaven and following the Lord. And he says, listen, I have a goodly heritage. I hope you can have, you, if you're living for the Lord, you can have a goodly heritage. And I hope you can say, man, I'm living for the Lord and I have a goodly heritage. Look at verse number seven as he praises the Lord. He says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel, my reins also instructed me in the night season. He's saying, man, I'm going to praise God because how good God has been to me, how blessed God has been to me. Look in verse number eight. He, he shows his permanence uh, in verse number eight. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. He's saying, listen, this is not just a temporal thing. I'm not just trying God out to see if this works. No, he said, no, I, I'm committed and I'm consecrated and I'm dedicated to God and I'm going to follow God and I'm going to serve God with my life. And he says there clearly, I shall not be moved. I think we sing a song like that and praise the Lord. We ought not be moved. We ought to be living for the Lord. It, it blesses my heart. I, I look around and I see, man, I, I tell you what, I love to see people who have been in church since their, their young days and serving the Lord. Praise the Lord. I shall not be moved. That's a blessing. And, uh, and that ought to be our goal. That ought to be our mindset, that we would uh, be faithful to the Lord. And he says that. Look at the peace for our faith. In verse number nine, he says, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. I mentioned a little bit about that rest in our faith. Listen, that's even in the future. You're looking down the road and you say, you know what? God had it yesterday. God will have it tomorrow. God took care of me last year. God will take care of me next year. 
God has taken care of me all these years. God will continue to take care of me. Hey, listen, it's the peace of the future and saying, man, I don't have to worry and I don't have to fret about all these things that are going to take place. And, oh, pastor, what, what's going to take place in 2023? I have no idea. And anybody who tells you they do, they're lying. They don't know either. Nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, we'll, we'll plan, we'll project, and, and you ought to plan. You ought to do the best you can. But hey, when, when, when a curveball is thrown your way and things don't go as you had planned, say, you know what, I'm going to trust the Lord and I'm going to see how the Lord works things out and, and follow the Lord in the future. He gives the idea that the future belongs to God. He says, therefore, in verse 9, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. And then verse 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Listen, that's obviously prophetic towards Jesus. But listen, honestly, if we're saved on our absolute worst day, you're still going to heaven. Amen. I mean, really, uh, I mean, we, we don't look, we don't have to look forward to hell. We're not going there if you're saved and you're born again. Hey, we're looking forward to heaven. And their future is secure in Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 11. And he says this, it's continued in the future. He says, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In other words, hey, all the future is all taken care of. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to stress about it. We can trust God with it. And we see the peace of faith for the future. But listen, we can, we can trust God. I've heard it said this way many times. You say, you know what, how, why is it we can trust God with all of eternity, but we can't trust God with tomorrow? And we struggle with that sometimes. But we need to realize, hey, you know what? If God's got all of eternity, he's got tomorrow covered. He's got next week covered. He's got next month covered. And he'll take care of us, but we do need to follow him. We need to be dedicated to him. We do need to be living for him. And, uh, and listen, if we'll follow him, uh, then boy, what a, what a, as we see the path to pleasant places and to praise, and we ought to be permanently on that path and following the Lord, and we find that peace uh, as the Lord speaks about in the New Testament, and Paul wrote about in Philippians, that peace that passeth all understanding. And listen, a Christian can have that because they're not trusting in themselves. You listen, if, we had a, if I had a trust in myself, man, I'd be in, I'd be in trouble. I'll tell you what. But I trust in God. And I know that He's faithful. And I know that He has all the answers. And I know that He can provide where maybe I can't. And I know that He can take care of me. And I know that He's strong enough to get through every trial and every hardship that maybe I can't. But He can. And there's a peace in that for every believer uh, that puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I hope that psalm is a blessing to you uh, as we look at that complete consecration, being dedicated to God. And boy, what a blessing that we, go, we get from that. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we stand to our feet.
Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, thank you for your word. So refreshing. God, to know that we can trust in you. God, you're trustworthy. There's no doubt about that. God, we struggle with our weakness of our flesh and with our weakness of our mind and with our weakness of our faith. And God, I pray that you would help us to trust in you. And God, to rest knowing that you will take care of us. Knowing, God, that you will never forsake us, never leave us, never abandon us. But God, that you will take care of us. Help us to do our part in walking with you and staying with you. As the psalmist said that I shall not be moved. I won't be moved away from your side, but I'll be faithful to you. God, I pray that you'd help us, strengthen us in that. And God will certainly thank you for the peace, the joy, the gladness, the praise that we can render to you because you're so good to us. God, I pray that you'd strengthen, encourage, and help each and every person in their walk with you. And God will certainly thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank Him for being so good, for being so faithful, for providing, for taking care of you. Whatever the need, the altar's open.